I'm your host, Zod. And I'm your co-host, Tan. Welcome to another episode of Dean Fellows. A show about Dean life experiences while keeping it authentic. Just an ordinary discussion of relatable topics in today's time from Ordinary Fellows. Welcome to another episode of Dean Fellas, y'all. Episode 15. This is Tan. I got my, my co-host Zod here. What's going on, my man? Man, just chilling up in the building. It's your boy Zod. And our topic today, this is a major topic. I mean, it's death. It's the only confirmed reality. And before I even want to speak about death, I want to speak about the opposite. I want to speak about birth. We have two friends of ours just had babies pretty much on the same day. I want to say it was what, October 7th, I believe. But shout outs to Garlic Roshan for having a baby and a, another local cat here in Reston, originally from Michigan, Tamim and his wife for bringing home a daughter. Shout outs to the both of them. Congratulations. And Tan, I feel like we're feeling old these days. We have these young bucks in yeah. their, their 20s or late, or late 20s, early 30s starting to have kids. So I feel like this is the right topic that we're about to touch. I feel like we probably passed more than half of our lives at this point. Yeah. I mean, look, right now we're going to just look at the dichotomy. We're talking about life. These two, these two little babies who were just born got literally the rest of their lives ahead of them. Inshallah. May Allah give them health, wealth, and long life and prosperity. But at the same time, death is around us. We've experienced deaths. We've experienced people close to us potentially dying, not dying. It's just the end of the day, it's up to Allah. We all know that. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense being that it's COVID. A lot of people losing their loved ones. I actually heard a story about, I think I was on CNN, where a woman who her father got COVID, her mother got COVID, and her uncle, I think her paternal uncle got COVID. All three of them in the same hospital can't visit each other because they have COVID and they're stuck in their room and she can't visit them. Her siblings can't visit either one of them. All three of them died within within less than 30 days. It's happened like two months ago. So it's not like a brand new story. But can you imagine losing both of your parents and your uncle in like four weeks and you can't even visit them? It's just like they get COVID and they never come home other than to get buried. So yeah, yeah, man. It's yeah, close friend of mine, his dad had COVID. My dad also had COVID, but alhamdulillah, he made it out. But a, fr- a friend of, a dad of a friend of mine, his dad went into the hospital maybe two or three days after my dad, and a week later, he was gone. Wow, that's crazy, bro. And just to reiterate the same thing about wearing a mask and trying to stay safe and sanitizing and cleaning your hands, there was a wedding here a few months ago. A friend of mine named Imran told me about, they try to keep it small, 48 people at the wedding. An uncle, you typically you could figure out what that feels, that sounds like a, a typical Desi uncle, probably in his 50s, early 60s, had some symptoms, knew he had symptoms, his family knew he had symptoms, and he went to the party. And his brother caught COVID, his sister caught COVID, two other guests caught COVID. For all, and from what I hear, maybe additional people might have caught COVID, but those four, his brother, his sister, and those two other individuals passed away. He himself went on a ventilator and was able to restore his life. They were able to bring him back to good health. But his brother's family, meaning his nephews and nieces on both sides, 
hate his guts, hate his children's guts, and say they want nothing to do with them. This man killed their father, and the other one saying this this man killed their mother. So that's just wow. sad. Wow, that's some deep stuff and hard stuff to swallow. Yeah, I mean, look, I can't entirely say I blame anyone except the person who had COVID. Who knew. I mean, he knew he had symptoms. That's the thing. If yeah. you didn't know you had symptoms, that's one thing. He didn't know he had COVID, right? Obviously, if you knew he had COVID, but, he, but you have the symptoms, so you gotta, you've been watching the news at some point. If you're not watching American news, you're watching Pakistani news or Bengali news or whatever news. Whatever you know. language. He's from is, Pakistan. Yeah, COVID is not, does not discriminate based on language. It's not. Not by language, not by age, not by gender. Even if you're binary or non-binary, yeah. it don't matter. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that's how it is. But episode 15, I mean... Other than COVID, the reason it came to mind, I think for me particularly, is the last week my dad was blessed enough and miraculously through tons of du'as throughout the world was able to get a matching liver and then they performed a transplant and so far he's recovering. There's some hiccups along the way with his recovery, but I think that's normal. He's actually the eldest patient in the history of the hospital and the hospital is one of the leading hospitals in the world for liver transplants and pancreas transplants and kidney transplants. Oh, but he's, wow. the eldest, he's the eldest to receive a liver in the entire hospital. They broke that barrier. Subhanallah, man. That's amazing. That's that, a miracle in itself. Yeah. Yeah, I know your dad. Great man. Overall, happy guy. Couldn't have happened to a better dude. Alhamdulillah. That's great news. I know with our parents being this old, when my dad went into the hospital with COVID, I started thinking like, oh, is this going to be it? Yeah. And I'm sure some of those thoughts went through your mind and your brother's mind. And it must have been super scary. I guess COVID is just a different thing, different beast in itself. But with this situation, three months ago, found out he has liver disease. And before you know it, his kidneys are getting messed up and he has no energy, can't walk. And he has to drain some fluid from his stomach. And it's, we went to four hospitals till we got to the hospital that performed the transplant. So, I mean... I literally, so what happened was we had a good network of doctors. Thanks to my brother, he has a good network. He's in the healthcare kind of field or whatever in one way or another. And basically I would speak to these doctors, a lot of them being Muslim, some of them being not. And I'd say, at what level do we need to prepare? Do I need to prepare arrangements? And it was hard to swallow. I mean, the first, when I found out he had liver disease here in locally in Reston, Virginia, and I left him, admitted him to the hospital after spending six hours there or whatever. And I went home, it was emotional for me. So the first eight to 10 weeks, I would just, when I was praying or when I was with the kids, I would just lose myself emotionally. But then as strange as it is, the crying or the, or the sadness started to leave itself. There was anxiety and stress moving forward. That never left, but it became more of a sinking reality of, all right, how do I prepare for this? People are, and you watch the news and you just hear about all sorts of death, COVID and non-COVID, not just in the news, but I feel I mean, we're in tons of WhatsApp groups and you hear about this brother dying and the three drownings that happened. We spoke about that. Right, right, right. The fact that I was hearing about so much death, I was like, is Allah preparing me for the death of my parents right now? Well, alhamdulillah, hopefully maybe that's not the case, but nonetheless, one of us is going to go. And that's why we got to talk about this topic is because sometimes we just forget that we're so distracted. We forget either we're going to go or our siblings going to go or mom's going to go or dad's. Someone got to go first. And the other loved ones are going to feel the feel that sorrow, feel that pain. But in all reality, how do we get past that? Or how do we get to accept that? And you know what the thing is, man? It's just Islam has the answers. That Islam has the answers. And I mean, one of the things I want to quickly point out, Tan, before I pass it to you, is like, when I say Islam has the answers, that doesn't mean you're not going to feel sadness. That doesn't mean you're not going to feel loss or sorrow. But what it means is that 
this is a life. And Allah never said that we'd be, this is a life where you'll have full wealth, where you'll have unlimited children and unlimited happiness. But he said, this is a life where you will, the believers and the Muslims and even the non-Muslims will be tested. But what the Quran and the Sunnah does, and I'm speaking to my brothers who maybe aren't praying, who aren't, who don't read the Quran, who don't even feel comfortable the Quran is playing. I'm just telling you the truth of the matter. I've been on that side of the fence. This is the only thing that lets you get from one point to the next. If not, then what? You're getting high, you're getting drunk, and you're just doing that cycle, and you feel this hole in your heart. This is the only place, and it's not only with my father's condition, several areas of my life where I turned to religion and stuck with it, where I felt like not only did I feel like I'm getting through it, but I felt good about whatever was going to happen. I felt like I was untouchable in the sense that what can happen to me that's really a loss. It's like they say you're going to suffer an L. I feel like you're only going to get W's, you know what I'm saying, when you're on the deen. If something goes bad bad for you, that test, then Allah is blessing you, forgiving you for your sins, and you're catching a win there. Or you're making the dua and you're praying, and then everything gets better for you here in the dunya, and you catch a W there. It's a win-win situation. And that feeling starts entering your heart, and when it enters your heart, it's just like illuminates, bro. It's, it's crazy. It's wild. So, And it's hard to get there. I'm not saying I'm some special dude or nothing like that, but you got to put in the effort. You got to put, you got to be sincere. You got to put in the work and just really believe that have the faith in a lot. And if anything, it's humbleness. It taught me humbleness that I'm not capable of fixing my own situations. I'm not capable of no matter, even if I had all the wealth in the world of helping my dad in this situation and my uncle years ago who needed a heart and was able to get a heart transplant. There's no money in the world. It was literally when Allah says be, and it is. In Arabic, it's kun fayakun. Allah says kun fayakun, and be, and it is. That's it. There's nothing that can change that. But Tan, I'll just turn it back to you, man. What's your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I agree with a lot of the things that, that you said. I've experienced deaths of a close person to me. My, my wife passed away in 2018. Everything sort of happened over the course of 10 days. Obviously, she had underlying health issues that, so I wasn't entirely shocked, but also it's not something you prepare yourself for, no matter how much you know about it. You're not ready for it. And the death of a father, the death of a grandfather, death of somebody who's supposed to naturally, in the progression of life, pass away. I don't know. I feel like it's easier to deal with. But anytime we hear of somebody passing away when they're young, whether it be a child or a spouse, that brings another level of sorrow and sadness. Yeah, I mean, so how old was she when she passed? And what was your initial reaction? Was it like shock or not, not like shock, but more, like, I don't know, I'll just deal with it. Emotionally, how'd you feel? Like, did you feel like cold? That's what that's what I want to say. Did you feel cold? Or did you feel did you feel vulnerable and let, let the pain absorb yourself? I mean, what I felt was she was 33. She had at least, given her condition, I would say at least 10 plus years. Anything after that would have been bonus for me. We have a young child at that time. My daughter was five. So I think the fact that I had my daughter sort of didn't allow me to, I don't want to say it didn't allow me to grieve. I was just more grieving for my daughter than myself because I'm an adult. I know what it is, right? But here's a five-year-old who's only spent one night apart from her mom ever. And now this child has to be like, oh, okay, this is what I have to deal with. 
So she has to understand the only confirmed reality, unfortunately. So, yeah, speak about that. How's she doing now about it? And yeah, I mean, how'd she deal with it initially? Alhamdulillah, then and now, she's been so far so good. Not so good. I mean, like she's handling it. She's handling it like a champ. We have a very healthy dialogue. We talk about her mom all the time. Sometimes we even talk about her as if she's not here. Sometimes she'll joke around with me and be like, oh, I'm going to tell mom that you did this. So obviously she understands that her mom's not here. She gets it totally. But also at the end of the day, she's seven. The fact that she's able to deal with all of this, go to school, she does well in school. She's a very friendly girl. I know everyone says this about their kid, but she really is a good kid. She always listens. Aside from eating, she yeah. doesn't give me any problems. So she's handling it well. She's basically a child that's dealing with adult problems and is handling it pretty well for an adult. We've seen adults who've co- completely collapsed. Nothing against anyone for doing that, but that's crazy that she has to deal with that. One thing I wanted to point out that whenever I think about your spouse, that I think of just from a positive, optimistic, blessing standpoint is the fact that she died right in the middle of right in the middle of Ramadan. When I mean middle, I mean day 15. You can't get more smacked in the middle of Ramadan than that. And we know that the doors of hellfire are closed. So, I mean, I think you mentioned that initially when she passed, your daughter would say stuff like, oh, she's an angel or something like that somewhere, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I didn't want to get into the whole judeo-christian versus muslim way of thinking of angels and stuff like that because she's a kid it's when the time is right i'll explain how we talk about angels and how we talk about death but at that point it wasn't about correcting her on that because number one she's a kid number two she will know because obviously she's growing up with the dean She's understanding it. And that is another thing. People handle grief very differently. And there's no right way or wrong way. And there's no timeline of when grief will hit you or when it will be quote unquote over. Because in reality, you don't ever get over it. You live with it. And everyone that's lost a very close loved one, you just live with it. I've spoken to people who've lost their parents there. It still hurts them. But at the end of the day, life does go on. No, life is not going to stop for me. Life is not going to stop for you. Life is not going to stop for anyone. We have to go on. We must remember the dead. We must honor them. Do continuous charities in their names if possible. Because that's the only thing that we can do here to help them. And make dua. Make dua, yeah. I mean, when we talk about episode 15, death being the only confirmed reality, if you think about it, we have a lot of aspirations, a lot of goals in this life, whether it's obtain your college degree, get married, have children, get money, get wealth, buy a house, buy cars. I don't know if you want the Lambo truck like I did, but none of that is guaranteed. The only thing guaranteed in any religion, in any science, is the fact that at one point, you're gonna you're gonna pass. Yeah, uh, even even th- even an atheist knows you're gonna die. Even an atheist knows you're gonna die. Exactly. So, 
that's the only confirmed reality. Now, the question is, how do you deal with it? I mean, like you said, I mean, sorrow's normal thing. But as Muslims, I just feel the main thing is we hear someone else pass. And I didn't know this till recently. You learn something every day. But we say, inna lillahi wa inna rajiun. I think Muslims conform, which means to God we belong and to God we return. I think Muslims think that when they hear the passing, like if someone says, hey, my uncle passed, my dad passed, we're like, it's like we're making a dua for them. There's no dua. The inna lillahi wa inna rajiun is for yourself. It's for yourself to be reminded the fact that you're not meant to be here, that this life is temporary, and that you, your soul is meant to come back to God. So the dua for that person would be a separate thing. Oh, may Allah forgive him and have mercy upon him and give me easy Thank afterlife. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the fact that we're not going to be here is something we heavily distract ourselves with. It's heavily what the media wants us to be distracted with. You can see it in the television shows that we all get addicted to or social media apps that we all have our own apps that we might indulge in too much. It might not even be social media per se. I mean, Reddit can kill a lot of your time. And right. the only thing that is the most valuable is time. Because if we're saying death is the only confirmed reality, then we then automatically we should start thinking of how valuable that time that we have. That means tomorrow we might not get tomorrow. If we do, it's a blessing. I've seen it with my own selves watching my dad in the last two, three weeks, potentially at any mo- moment I'm thinking he could go. So that's what we have. That's where the value is, is in the time. So now we have to use it in the best of manners, right? The time. But I don't know. It's like it's the only thing that's real. But at the same time, we have to live here and we have to do, we still have business to handle here. It's how we juggle that and balance that. But I think the goal as a Muslim that's so good in Islam is that we connect the two, that we connect our purpose here when we're handling family, business and work and trying to stay away from sin. And then when we do sin, we ask for forgiveness. And that that reconnects us back with our Lord, our spirituality, our book, our text. But yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to tell a story that I heard from a woman scholar that I thought was pretty good. She said, Imagine you were checking into a hotel and obviously, you know, there's all these guests in this Marriott or Hyatt or whatever, and you're checking in and you're there for a few days. And all of a sudden, you know, people in the, in the same floor walk around, they get food, whatever, they go to the lobby and they see an Amazon truck pull up and they see all of a sudden all these paintings arrive and you're opening your door and you're signing packages in your hotel. And then next thing you know, that television arrives, 85 inch, you're getting rid of the television, that 32 inch in the Marriott, chucking that, putting up an 85 inch, then more like a sofa set comes. Your neighbors, not neighbors, but your the other guests in the hotel are going to think that you are insane, that you are crazy. Why is this guy ordering packages to a room that he's going to be leaving soon? Well, that's how you can look at this life. This person's getting too comfortable in their hotel room that they think that they're going to be there forever. Maybe we should illustrate the same thing and stop thinking about, stop always indulging. Of, we got to make these upgrades on our house. We got to make these upgrades on our car. We got to, we got to constantly, these are the next eight vacations I'm taking over the next four years. I got to go to Italy. I got to go there. I'm not saying not to take the vacation, but if your mind is just focused on there, then you're acting as if you're going to be here forever. You are that crazy person that's in that hotel room that's ordering those packages. We're basically doing the same thing. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. We don't know how much time we're guaranteed. One thing, when visiting the cemetery, I walk around the different graves and I look at the different ages that people passed away. Right next to my wife, there's a girl who was 29 years old. There was a little girl who was seven years old. And then there's people that's been there 90 years, 100 years. Longer than we've been alive. Yeah. So if you want to know like how long you're going to live, that answer will never be answered. 
Because I mean, and based on what you just said, it seems like you're going to be in the grave longer than you'll be on top of the grave. Right. You know what I'm saying? With your, with your, with your foot on the floor. You know what I'm saying? That is, just thought of that as just something we need to think about more. Yeah. And then we also think that we're so special, right? That the world cannot go on without us. I'm sure yeah. we all feel that way somehow, but the world goes on. Yeah. And I think we get so into our own selves, into our own problems, into our own work issues and colleagues and family situations that we create our own television show or something. We think that this is the world and this is everything. And then the truth of the matter is just what you said. I mean, when you pass away, what happens the first week, 10, the close people visit you the second yeah. week, the third week, the year goes by, two years go by, and it's less and less visits. You are by yourself in this grave. I mean, you could be with your good deeds and bad deeds. It's another subject in itself, but the people that you knew, the wealth that you attained, the vehicles that you pursued, the clothing, whatever it is, material objects and non, they're not there, man, in that grave, man. And, and some people try to get buried with their gold chains, right? In the right. golden casket. I mean, like that's going to do them any good. First of all, it's your, soul. Dead. You're, what, you're your soul. You're dead. What do you know? It's like, just a, a body that's going to rot and go back. I just heard of Saad Guru which is that guru on YouTube, that the wise man, basically. And he's saying that he made a good point. He said, when you get buried, he said, when someone dies, make sure you bury them because it's the most eco-friendliest thing to do. You are made out of the earth. You are made out of dirt. It makes sense for you to go back into where you came from rather than trying to do all of this next technology stuff that people are trying to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing about death and the importance of life, just think about it. Within four generations, you will be forgotten. As if you never existed. As if you never existed. How many of us here remember our great-grandfather or our great-great-grandfather? Nobody. We may don't know. even know their name. You know yeah. their name? I don't know their name. I don't either. Some people don't know their own grandparents' name. For example, right. my father's father passed away 20 years before I was born. Honestly, my, I couldn't tell you his name. My dad lost both of his parents before the age of 10, and he was raised by his brothers. How much did he even know about his parents? Yeah, think about it. He ends up living like another additional 60 to 70 years. What memories are left with his parents? If they are, they're very, very few in number. Just make dua that we all do the right things. I know we all make mistakes and do things that we're not supposed to do, but just keep coming back to Allah keep asking for forgiveness because that's all we can do. Yeah. I mean, death is in a hadith. It says, remember death for it is the destroyer of all pleasures. So, but then again, that hadith is just a reminder for us while we're presently here. But the truth of the matter, we believe that there's something better to attain in the afterlife that's long lasting, that's forever. And that is permanent that our actual home that we once saw that our soul once saw was actually in another life, in the afterlife where we want to go back to. So it's like, it's like going back home, if anything. Yeah, it's a very humbling thing. All of us will face it at some point. I know I've been in a certain place where I'm potentially feeling myself a little bit, whether it's work or whether it's some accomplishment that I've had. I know other people have been there. And you're feeling yourself and it's day after day. You're like, you know, you're getting a lot of W's, a lot of wins. You're feeling good at work or whatever. And then all of a sudden someone says, oh, my God, my mom passed away. Or my spouse passed away. 
And when you hear that news, it's like, all right, these accomplishments are cool and everything. Why am I getting so gassed up about it? Why am I feeling myself too hard? Why am I thinking I'm the man for? This is the end. This is where we're all going to be. This is the ultimate reality is that this person who's going to be in the grave is going to be in the same grave. No one's going to care about this minor accomplishment I did in the last week. How many people even know about it right now? You right, right. So doesn't matter if you're a doctor, lawyer, engineer. None of it matters. None of that matters, man. But hopefully well, we shed some light here, right? Yeah, hopefully we didn't depress our audience completely <laughs> But with this topic of death. But we're just trying to be a reminder. Get in touch with your maker. Get closer. We're not here to tell you how to get in touch with him. We, all, we already know the Islamic-approved ways, and there's another way by speaking to Allah. That's the first time. Speaking to Allah, yeah. And, yo, it's excellent you mentioned that because if you take the first step, if you're not doing what you happen to know is obligated upon you or what have you and stuff like that or the spiritual rituals and so forth, yeah, Tan, like you said, just start that conversation and the same heart who's like, man, I'd rather watch basketball than pray or do this than pray or do that than fast and so forth is the same heart that God could switch it like a light bulb and all of a sudden you're eager to do what you didn't think you'd want to do. And that's happened in so many different aspects of people's lives in different areas. But when it happens spiritually and that light bulb goes off, oh, you'd be shocked how far you can go. So I would just take that first step. They say, well, if you take a step towards God, God comes running towards you. Absolutely. So that's exactly it. I mean, yeah, we don't want to make it seem like a depressed episode 15, but this is just a confirmed reality. And we wanted to speak about it. And Tan, you def- you know, I want to thank you for speaking about something being vulnerable and speaking about something so close that hit home, right. uh, being your spouse passed away and how your daughter dealt with it. Tough stuff, man. But what is it? Two years now, two and a half years in. Yeah. And, two and a half years. Yeah. Um, it's hard disease, man. Yeah. And I just want to reach out to our audience. If anyone's experienced death and wants to talk about it with any of us, please message us info at deanfellows.com. One thing about our vision and our goal is to exchange dialogue and talk with people and, and get to know people and, and kind of see what the things that are bothering our fellow Muslims and the things that they want to talk about. So please, any topic, yeah. anything, we're all yours. Yeah, it's you, the audience, that's going to really create our roadmap, create our vision. I mean, if we see a lot of people speaking about currently dealing probably right now the process of potentially dealing with death from a family member from a friend a colleague or or just came over that situation or still dealing with it for years and don't know how to get past it i think it's this community that we could create and this kind of plan and roadmap for episodes and having guests and just trying to try to walk through it and sometimes you just need someone to talk to and you don't get that maybe potentially when you show up Friday at a khutbah in a masjid, you hear, you might hear a sermon. You know, a lot of people say it's repetitive. You might actually hear a good sermon one day on a Friday, but now what do you do? You have, you have some stuff you need to get off your chest. And that's the purpose of Dean fellows is for us to have that level of communication, to speak about the topics that are under the rug, to speak about the topics folks that act like doesn't exist in the community, but they're prevalent. And let's just get through it together, guys and gals. Yeah. All right, and on that note, this is a wrap for episode 15. We'll see you guys next time.